This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay. And in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Game Scoop. I am your host, Damon Hatfield. With me this week is Greg Miller. Hi, Damon. And Anthony Gallegos. Hello. That's not what you said you were going to say every time. You you had a different catchphrase, right? Oh, I don't you know. You were going to start saying. What was it? It was like... I think it was Choco Taco Power Tower. Yeah, that was, that's what it was. Oh, okay. Want to try it again? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're at the end of uh, GDC week. A long week. Greg, what does GDC stand for? A Game Developers Conference. Wrap up, sum up the Game Developers Conference 2012 for our listeners. Uh, it's a gathering. Of, it's <laughs> well, that, no, that's that's what I was going to go. No, it's, I mean, it's 2012. Yeah, what, exactly. What, what was want, this year? This year was all about Gabe Newell photos being pasted on things. That's what it was. Yeah, I haven't the, even seen that. This, really? This mm-hmm. Game Developers Conference is the uh, is the is the changing face of free to play. That's how I would sum it up. The changing face of free to play. That's a good one. Okay. That's a much better than mine. Seems like everything these days is going free to play. Yeah. So what? But what is the changing face? Well, it's like a. F- Three years ago, or now more like more like five years ago, like we used to think of free to play, it was nothing but like these really like terrible looking like Korean based browser MMOs that would come over and they'd be like really cheesy and really limited and really basic. And then games like League of Legends kind of proved that the format could work in North America. And now we go from even having things that are kind of cartoony, maybe lower in spec, to be super accessible like League of Legends, to having like the next Mech Warrior game, Made in CryEngine three, coming out that looks like a game made in CryEngine 3 and it's totally free to play like free to play now is it's going to be like the way that we like I guess five years ago as well used to talk about like a you know the first time you played 
maybe something like like Marvel Blast Ultra on XBLA, and you were like, hey, it's pretty good for a downloadable game. That used to be a saying, for gotcha, a downloadable gotcha. game. Yeah. And I think that it's going to become, it's just like that with free-to-play. It's no longer going to be, oh, that's good for a free-to-play game. It's just going to be, it's a good game. It's about, it's, it's about uh, moving to games as services. Yes. Like yeah. uh, like the electricity you get to your house. You don't just pay for electricity once and then have it forever. You pay. I wish I did. <laughs> you you pay for it every month as long as you want to keep using electricity. And that's what a, a lot of games are moving towards. It's a service that you continually play for and as long as you want to keep playing them. Gotcha. Yeah. I wish the electricity company gave me a set amount of electricity for free. And then if I mm-hmm, wanted mm-hmm, more, mm-hmm. I could pay for more of it. Because I could get by on a little bit of electricity. So let's write that feature. What could the electricity industry <laughs> learn from video <laughs> the games? The top 25 things the electricity industry could learn from New the video games. for my electricity. Uh, I thought the show floor was uh, even... There's even less to see there than usual. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, when we were coming into GDC, people t- talk to you about it and ask you about it. And the thing about GDC and why I like GDC is that it's not for us at all. Continue. GDC is the place where people who make games can come together under one roof and learn from each other and talk about games. Actually, three roofs. Three, <laughs> three roofs, all right. Under one San Francisco skyline <laughs> and come together and, you know, learn about how to make games and share their experiences. And it's not for us. It's not for the media. It's never. It's not meant to be E3. It's not meant to be a Comic-Con. But we do come in with that they expectation. They let us come to their party, though, which yeah, is nice. No, yeah, they do. And there are people do show new things. You know what I mean? Definitely there are stories that come out of GDC, but not in the caliber or, you know, amount, I think, as other shows. They, they show a few new things, but they, and they talk about really interesting things. Exactly. Which is, what I, is like, why I like to go. What's cool about GDC for us, I think is that you see people talk about the past. You know, usually we go to an E3, right? And it's all about what's next and what's yep. huge and this, that, and the other. And you come to GDC and there are panels about like, oh yeah, that game that came out last September, we're going to give a whole panel about a postmortem on what it was mm-hmm. and why it worked or why it didn't work. And that's awesome. I feel yeah. like, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, although some of those same panels, like Greg said, it's, it's obviously not for us. So there's oh, like yeah. a few details we gleam out that we're like, ah, oh. So that's how Star Wars The Old Republic is made. But then they also spend, like... Let's talk about our shaders. 20 minutes talking about, like, content pipelines and how to best organize a staff under an executive producer. Like, stuff that is, like, very high level. And they will mm. put up code. They will just put up code on the screen. I've been to those panels where you're like, ah... Uh, you're feverishly coughing it yeah. down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like my hands. I learn a lot going to GDC, and I'm not even a game developer. Yeah. But I feel like it makes me a better game reviewer and a better game commenter. Totally. Uh, but I can't imagine if you're a developer. I would just... I, would, I feel like I'd be learning so much. It's invaluable. Which is good, because it's not cheap. Yeah, go. not at all. Yeah, it's like a th- it's like nine fifty for just the basic pass yeah. to come, but it is uh, it's required if you consider yourself uh, an, a game developer in any sort sense of the word. You need to be at GDC. Yeah, I mean, you figure there's the the giant career pavilion where you yeah. go and you drop off your information and get uh, portfolio there, there on site interviews for yep. a lot of companies on-site too. Interviews. You, exactly. you you go to parties and you meet people. Like it's it's weird. Like last night I was at a party, right, and it was the Square party, and I was hanging out talking to some people from Valve, and at one point these people came over and they're just like, "Hey, what's up?" And they shook my hand. I'm like, "Oh, nothing." And I thought maybe they they knew me or something. And no, they were just they were just people developers that were walking around trying to meet everybody mm-hmm. and just talk to people. It's like, "Oh, hey, yeah, sure, what's up." <laughs> It's good. Then we discovered we had nothing to talk about. And we, well, how am I going to help your career? Get the hell out of here. Yeah, really. You and people that work at Valve have nothing to talk no, about? No, 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 no. I was talking to people from Valve. These were just like people. Then two, two, oh, okay. two gotcha. randoms gotcha. approached me and were like, well, hey, what's up? We're struggling graphic artists. I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I like pizza. <laughs> 
this uh, Kara demo was one of the more interesting things to come out of. Kara demo was a huge deal. Yeah. Uh, Quantic Dream, the makers of Heavy Rain, debuted their new engine, uh, and they did it just like they did. If you remember Heavy Rain, before Heavy Rain was Heavy Rain, they did a demo called The Casting Call, and it was just a short film trailer of this girl giving a demonstration to the camera, mm-hmm. and people lost their shit about it, saying how great it looked. Because this is like one of the first big things we saw for PS3, pushing the cell processor, yada, yada, yada. And then they came out and did the same thing here with this thing called Kara, and it's pretty much the same reaction of people blown away about how good it looked and what, the facial animations they were getting. And uh, it's not the game. Kara is not the next game they said. What? As I said, that's why I have a hard time caring. Like, I don't care about tech demos. Like, tech demos is fine, but yeah. it's like until it's like a game. Like, yeah. I, I mean, what I if you just looked at the Kara as just a, a self contained short film? Yeah, self contained short film. That's fine then, yeah. But, I liked it. Mm-hmm. That's it. Did you like it? What do you think? I did like it. Yeah. I thought the ending that could have been a little bit more of a, a cooler twist. You know, like just, my God. Well, <laughs> so that's just kind of like the like the obvious thing. Yeah, like yeah, if yeah. you weren't gonna put any thought into it, I thought. But, you know, she she says she's scared and she's crying, and then that's when they stop disassembling her and they put her back together. Yeah. I thought when she stopped, it would be a lot cooler if you found out that somebody had like was busting her out and had killed the guy that was disassembling her, and he's like, okay, I'm gonna get you out of here. That would have been a much cooler. I'm just curious, to me. like how Quantic Dream will turn that into a game. Right? Well, they're not. No, but I'm saying I'm saying that engine into a game. Uh, like, I mean, you know, I the casting like... call thing was pretty and everything, but the game, like, I, while I really liked Heavy Rain, right? Yeah. It was yeah. like a lot of it wasn't you playing it because they had to make sacrifices for how pretty it was. Yeah. So I'm just curious well, like, that's what, what type of experience you they interviewed David Cage, yeah. right? And one of the interesting things he says is that he, he didn't they didn't use uh, much of the PS3's power in making Heavy Rain. Yeah, right? it, it was it was along the lines of I was like, you know, when you made Heavy Rain, you know, everybody thought how great it looked and when you did, did the casting call, you know, how hard was it to go and make this and stuff and he's like, yeah, we, you know, we thought we were getting everything out of it that we could, but it turns out well, there's so much more that can be done with the PS3 that we can go and do. Mm-hmm. And that's what they they did here. The interesting thing about Car if you didn't read the interview or watch any of it is that that demo is already a year old. That was the first iteration of that engine. They're on iteration 3 now, so the next thing should be even better whenever yeah. you actually see something from it. But it's, it, you know, they went the way, uh, they're doing more of a Naughty Dog approach. Uh, I didn't realize this about, I probably did, I just forgot, but Heavy Rain, I guess, was done where they captured mocap in one session, then they did voices in another. This time they're doing the Naughty Dog way of capturing everything at once. They're getting the full-on r- performance as they're doing the actions and doing everything else. That's good, because there were definitely some times that the intensity of the voice acting did not match the no. scene that was going on. And I'm going to catch this goddamn origami killer! <laughs> and I'm telling you, <laughs> Well, so he says, one of his quotes is, is uh, there's still a lot to do with the PlayStation 3, I'm telling you. Yeah. So is this, is the next thing, you, do you think it'll come out on the PlayStation 3 then, not the PlayStation oh, yeah. 4? I guarantee it'll be on the PlayStation 3. Yeah, seen. I mean, this yeah. new engine, there's no, since they don't even necessarily know what the architecture of the PS4 is like. Yeah, yeah. So... And that's cool, because like, that, was, that was the question for him. I was talking to him about used games and a couple other things, and I wanted to know what he thought about if we needed a next-gen, because you know, Heavy Rain obviously looked good, and now this demo looks so much better. You know, and that's one of the things we keep talking about every time we do, do one of these articles. We just put up an article this week about you know, what the PS4 and Xbox 720 graphics could look like, and it's like, you know, mm-hmm. are we there yet? Does, do developers need, do they think they need that yet? And it's interesting him say pretty much no. Developers don't, but I, but uh, hardware manufacturers probably feel like they do because console sales and stuff are slowing down. Yeah, because yes. everybody has them. And exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so is a demo like this exciting because people think that well, this is what the next, this is what the game is going to look like. Whatever game they're making, it will look like this. Yeah, pretty much. I think that's. I mean, that's what the big confusion was, right? Like, and it was hard because. Uh, it all got staggered, the information on this. This is a little, you know, behind-the-scenes stuff, right? Like, I did the interview with David Cage and watched the trailer 
the day before his panel. So I saw it on a Tuesday. Wednesday he did a panel, and then the trailer came out after that. And then Thursday my interview went live. So on the Wednesday of the panel, the panel finishes, the trailer goes live. Clements hasn't written his story based on the panel yet. So in the description of the trailer, I'm trying to tell people this isn't the game. This is not the game. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? This is just a tech demo, and people miss that. And then even like, I asked him in, the one, in one of the interview questions as well you know, about, like, why, developers don't normally do this. You don't usually see someone say, all right, we make games, and now we're going to make these short films to show the you only, what our games can do. The only day. time they do that is someone like Epic who's trying to sell an engine to yeah, other people. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, he was saying it was, he thought of it as fan service, right? That they have these people who believe in them and like Heavy Rain. They're not ready to show their next game, but they want to show how, what, how it's progressing and how much time they're putting into making it look better and bring together a more, you know, story-driven, performance-driven piece, which is interesting. <laughs> New report coming out on the uh, the next Xbox, codenamed Durango, which is a terrible. I think it's Sexbox is what they're going to end up calling it. I, 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 I Speaking of which, we didn't talk on the but the car robot is a sex robot. And oh I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> that worked for you. Yeah. Uh, she's the cute cute girl, that yeah. car. I assume she looks like the actress. She does, yeah. yeah. Clements was immediately on the Google image search. Nice. Um, a source close to British trade magazine MCV claims that Microsoft revealed information to them that the next Xbox will have no disk drive. Interesting. I'm sure that I'm sure. Like, you sure that's true? No. Okay, you sure that's I'm not just, true. I'm just saying, like, all these all these stories that keep getting around, a source for, that can't be disclosed on another website. Come on, come on. It's it's nice rumor mongering, but mm-hmm. I not having a disk drive. Like, how are they going to sell it digitally? Digitally? Well, so I'm I like, think it sounds cr- crazy too. I mean, I, yeah. I love that idea, and, and I yeah. think in a perfect world, I, I would love to have a console that doesn't have a disk drive. But I don't think we're ready, no. or Microsoft is ready to do that yet, and I don't think consumers are ready for that. Exactly. No, broadband internet isn't prolific enough, and GameStop and like GameStop and all these other retailers wouldn't sell their box. So then, how are they going to sell it? Like, there's just no way that's going to happen. Well, no, so why would a you know a respectable publication even run a story like this? Uh, because if, it's, if there's no way it can be true, I don't know because it got picked up by every other site and they probably got a you know stuff off of it. I mean, or maybe the person at Microsoft heard that from someone who worked, like maybe this guy at Microsoft works in like Word, but he knows someone who works in devices. Mm. You know, thing is like I heard it's gonna have no drive. Rumor mongering, man. Well, I mean, I bet, I bet, I bet on some level at some discussion negotiation there is a plan. There's I'm sure a, that a concept of design. That, exactly, sure. exactly. Oh, of course. And so that all starts to get lost, and you lose what's gonna happen and where it is, and you lose the context of it. So yeah, it just becomes this interesting thing to talk about. You know what I mean? So much yeah. of the industry is just being part of a conversation and talking about it. And so, like, there was a good, I, I, I bet it didn't make the scoop, but we put up an article this week about how Play.com had put up these four Vita games, uh, yeah. and one of them being Monster What's Hunter Play.com? Is it? It's a UK retailer. Yeah, okay. Play is, like, the big games. It, it's, yeah, it's like, it's like with their game, one of their game stops or whatever. Yeah. And it put up these uh, four Vita listings for, it was Monster Hunter, which we know is eventually going to come to Vita in some capacity, and then three other games, including a GTA that you know haven't been announced. These weren't announced. Oh my god, it got leaked, and Eurogamer reported it, and then everybody else picked it up, including us or whatever. And then people went on Gaff and said that it was just a 4chan Photoshop. In that there was this whole thing, and so then on Gaff, it's like this is the state of online games journalism, and it's like 
It's not really. Uh, it, it was a fault on. Uh, I can only talk about IGN's response on it. We didn't put rumor in front of it. It kind of came together. It came together overnight. It was there wasn't a chance for our international office to talk to us about it, but we didn't put rumor in front of it. And what it is is just trying to right now in the industry, especially now with so much random shit happening on a day to day basis. We want to be part of that conversation and we want to tell you stuff, even when we think it's just rumor, when we don't think it's true. Like right now, we're discussing no Xbox or no disc drive. Right? Not true. Not, probably not going to happen, but we want to talk because other people are talking about it. We want to mm-hmm. talk about what's happening in the industry. And so this whole Play.com thing happened, and then they were like, oh, my God, the state of online journalism is terrible. <laughs> and it's like, no, it's not, because anytime something like this happens, oh, there's a report there's no disk drive on the Xbox. Call Microsoft. Is this true? We don't comment on rumor and speculation. Well, yeah. then fuck, dude. All it's going to do is continually spin out, and that's where we are right now is the fact that there's never a way to nail things down because everybody holds this information for E3 and everything else. Hmm. Pain not, in the ass. Not to mention Microsoft and them want the story to get proliferated because it's just more people Oh, yeah, talking we want people to talk about it. We want people to exactly. know about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Please tell me you, you brought that Diet Pepsi in here. You're not yeah, just drinking found <laughs> Diet Pepsi. <laughs> that would be awesome. And I wouldn't put it past Anthony. He's eaten found potato chips before. So. Oh. I have no good response to that. I'm a slob. What do you want from me? Just your love. That's given. Uh, Freely. Uh, continuing to talk about Microsoft, I was surprised to hear that there's no plan, apparently no planned beta for Halo 4. Mm. Uh, that, is, that is very, very surprising. Unusual, right? A lot, generally, big multiplayer shooters have a beta uh, before launch, and I think they'll pass several Halo games, Halo 3 and... Uh, uh, Halo Reach. Uh, maybe it's because it uh, like Microsoft, Microsoft did it for it, Gears Three. That's what I was thinking. I was just trying to think if Microsoft had like a another big game coming out before Halo that they wanted to give that sales bump. They yeah. would include it like they have yeah. in the past. You know, buy a Crackdown, get mm, beta mm, access. Mm. You know, to I forgot what you. I think Crackdown you got beta Crackdown access you got to beta access to Halo Three. Yeah, so it's like you know, like I don't know if they have a game right now that they really are yeah. trying to give that bump to. Obviously, Microsoft doesn't have a lot of exclusives. No. Uh, so, like, what would they? Not this what year. would they I mean, pack it I, in with? Halo Four is like the only uh, non-connect exclusive yeah, I can think exactly. of. Mm-hmm. So, non-connect, not XBLA. There's Forza too, but like, what are they going to pack it in with? Forza? Yeah, that, that I don't know. Fable, Fable Adventures, or whatever it is. No. But it's just interesting. The reason they say the development team would need to be split in order to prepare a public beta, and they want to just focus on making the game, which that makes sense. But it's just unusual. It's just different than what how they normally go. I don't know. I think it's more exciting when you don't, but then you run the risk of well, this is totally fucked, and we had no idea, and like the matchmaking's wrong, and the shotguns exactly. nerfed, the and this and that. Is wrong. Yeah. And... yeah. Personally, I don't. I don't play beta. I guess I'm just not like a, a big multiplayer I mean, shooter I, fan. So. I play betas, but I'm also not necessarily. I mean, every beta test, beta tester is value beta beta tester is valuable in the sense that they are probably mining information from you about what you do. But like, I'm never a, an extra valuable beta tester where I go and contribute to forum discussions and that sort of thing. You know? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I never have either on all the betas I've been involved with, and that's why I can't complain when they suck. Mm. Yeah. Well, Halo Four is coming out this. Holiday season. I guess you'll have to wait till then to play. Ho, ho. Won't get to check it out really. Uh, at GDC, what we were talking about earlier, we get to hear really interesting talks about game. You know, uh, games that may have come out 
months, years ago. Yeah. Uh, I guess one of the guys from Deus Ex from Idos Montreal, uh, the gameplay director, Francois Lapicus, mm-hmm. giving a talk about Deus Ex Human Revolution. Uh, and he, he, I, like I, I went, mm-hmm. like I was confirming. That's how you say his name. I already <laughs> forgot what you said. I have no idea who that guy is. <laughs> Sounded French enough. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, the interesting thing is that he uh, apparently like publicly apologized for the uh, the boss, boss fights. Fight. In, uh, Weren't those Deus developed Ex. externally too? They were, yeah. they were outsourced. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I don't know. If, did you guys play Deus Ex? I did for a little uh, bit. Not enough. Didn't like it. I finished it. I liked, I liked the game quite a bit. But yeah, the, the boss fights felt shoehorned in there. The, 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 the way they played was totally different from the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I guess Ryan Clements was at this panel, and uh, people asked someone asked a question about the boss fights. And uh, read a little bit here. He said, after a few moments of silence, Salpica scanned the room of attendees and said that he didn't have a good answer for why the boss fights did a, disappointed. He noted that playtests did flag the battles as problematic, but not overly so, and the outpouring of criticism came as a serious surprise to the team. That's a very good political answer. I mean, yeah. game developers, one thing that I've, I've known from the people I know that are in game development is once they go over to game development, especially I've known people that have gone press to game development, is they have a pretty much speak no evil rule about anybody yeah. else's games. It's like an unspoken rule. You, you don't speak anything bad about your own game, and you don't speak bad about anyone else's games. So that was a very measured response from that man. Well, so you're, you're, you're focus testing your game before release. And you get the results back, and uh, some people say, well, the, the boss, fights, boss fights sucked. So then, I guess, as a developer, you have to think, well, what do we do? Do we, like, delay our game, work yeah. on it some more, put more money and resources into yeah. it in order to fix the boss fights for that, you know, not necessarily large group of people? Or do we just go with it and put it out there? Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things, right? Like, every, like everybody has an opinion about everything. Yeah. You're never going to—one game is never going to please everybody, even when we give games 10, right? Like, other people hate those games. So it's like, whatever, you can't do it. So I'm sure if he's really surprised by it, it must have been, like, a, enough of a difference there where you're like, well, I don't know. Yeah, okay, you know, maybe, maybe the majority are going to be okay. Yeah. People are going to be all right. But like, then it's like, what? I mean, you're right. Games are opinion. Like, the absurdly amazing I am alive. Oh, fuck you. God damn it. So what, yeah, so what happened with that? I'm Alive finally came out, mm-hmm. and I played it, mm-hmm. and I Loved fucking it. hated it. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I was like, I was screaming at my TV in the I know, office. I know, you, and were I not, you were not having fun playing I that don't, game. I rarely get to that point. And so, yeah, I reviewed it, and I gave it a 4.5, and I posted it along with the embargo, 9 a.m., that first day of GDC. And I went into, I remember I texted Stephen Hopper to push it live just as we went into a tunnel at Muni. And he's like, on it. And then we went into the tunnel. I went to like three panels, didn't think anything else about it. And I came out of the tunnel. I came out of the other end of the tunnel <laughs> hours later at GDC. And I looked at my Twitter feed. And yeah, there was just like this huge like explosion of people like either being like, oh man, it sucks about where we're alive. Or fuck you, you're fucking crazy. GI gave it an A5 and GameSpot. Spot gave it an eight, and I'm like, what? Like it was like, I, I've given bad scores before. Everybody has, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't think I've ever been a part of it where I gave such a bad score, and then there was this chasm between me and every other score. You know what I mean? Were you you were one of the lowest? Scores? That first day, I was the lowest by far. Okay. Like I think and the, you gave it a four or five. I gave it a four five out of ten, and I think the next closest to me was maybe a six or six five that day. Mm-hmm. And since then, we've opened the today, uh, the Verge uh, Gaming, whatever it is, Vox Vox mm-hmm. Games. They gave it uh, a four as well, a four, and then. Earlier in the week, Joystick gave it a 4.5, too. So, I mean, there are other people now coming to mind. Well, Joystick only does out of five, right? 
I don't recall. Is that not true? Joystick gave it a bad review. I'm sorry. I I don't recall off that, man. Uh, But yeah, that first day. Sorry sorry if I'm wrong about that. That first day, like, it was literally like I'd woken up in Crazy Town. Because every, like, it was one of those things. You watched at my desk for a while. Anthony did. People. It looked looked next to unplayable. People were hilariously laughing at my video review, like, when we screened it in the office. And people gathered around to watch me, like, like, yell at this game. Like, it was was so much like everyone, it seemed like at IGN who had seen it in my lens was like, oh, yeah, this game sucks. And then to wake, then to have this thing where, like, Game Informer, yeah, gave it an 8.5 and was like, oh, my God. Everything I hated about it, how terrible and clunky combat is and how the, the, there's a fa- like remember how when, when people make fun of Superman 64 the first thing they make fun of is the rings <laughs> and then it's the kryptonite fog and this game has fog in it that's the dust cloud when it's clearly just trying to hide that mm-hmm. it can't render whatever's happening mm-hmm. and people are just talking about how great it is and how so they're connecting to the characters and like well, and I'm like I was like I, I don't even know what to think you know what I mean and like it, it was the normal reaction in the comments of the first Two pages were totally normal, leveled reactions of, all right, all right thanks, Greg, good review. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this looks like, I've watched the video review, this looks like shit. And then it became the whole, wait a second, everybody else likes it, you're fucking wrong, you should be fired, blah, blah. And it's like, I was, I, it was like, I, I, I don't mind that other people like the game. Anytime you buy a game, listener, I want you to enjoy that game. I hope you enjoy that game. But... To then be like, oh my god, like there are so many, there, I still get on Twitter right now, people are like, you are so far off the Metacritic that man, you should probably rethink how you review games. Well, it's like, yeah, because that's the point, right? The point is to hit, hit that average score, yeah, right? And, my and, point and, is and that, review games the same score as everyone else. My point, I mean, and that's, Eric Brudvig gave a great speech, he's from EDAR now, he used I to be from talk IGN. About that, yeah. Yeah, he gave a great speech today about how video games get reviewed. He did it at GDC for developers and PR people in the room, and then also he, you know, gave a little bit of how PR can help and how developers can help, you know, get reviews where they need get provide the reviewer and one of the things he put in there is you know are our reviews biased our reviewers biased and he said yeah totally he's like you know of course. You, you come in with your own culture you come in with your own background you come in and blah blah and he said is this a good thing and mm-hmm. he said of course it is you want people to have opinions you want there to be experts yeah. who can give you their expert opinion and so i don't understand why yeah like people are so upset with me that my i'll get that off the table sorry that my <laughs> metacritic score or i'm so far off the metacritic because I, I, as a consumer, want different opinions. I want to know what mm-hmm. one person didn't like about the game, what other people did. You know what I mean? And so it was funny because I went to lunch with Jim Riley the day the I Am Alive thing went. Jim works for Game Form now. Mm-hmm. It hit. And I asked him who reviewed it. And he didn't know off the top of his head. I was like, all right, no big deal. And I was like, did you see him play? He's like, no. I'm like, all right, forget it. No big deal. Later that week, I went out to dinner with Insomniac, and there was a guy from Game Informer there, Tim. And I was talking to him, and it turned out he was the guy who reviewed it and gave it an A5. And we had a, pl- a lovely conversation about it. He's like, oh, I like this, that. And then I'm like, oh, I didn't like this. And he's like, I kind of see that. And then he went and read my review later that night and tweeted about it in the morning, said I had great points. And it was like, it's awesome that like when gamers are normal people, and are in the same room and yeah. can have a conversation. Everything's cool. And as soon as you enter the internet and somebody thinks that I don't read the comments or check my Twitter for some reason, they can call me all these horrible names and tell me I'm fucking an idiot. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It, I still want to one day do the video series of comments in real life. It where Damon's like, mm-hmm. man, I really love that game. I'm like, fuck your mother, you <laughs> homo. You don't know what you're talking about. It, it's, it, I think it's a kind of... It's it's not a good thing when everyone has the same score about a game because they're probably all saying the same thing about yeah, the game too. How, in which case, like, is that review is that review really that valuable to you? Whereas, like, when I buy a product on Amazon or other things, my goal is to read five star reviews mm-hmm. and one star reviews. Mm-hmm. I want to hear both, like the people that hated it and the people that loved it, and then come to my own conclusion. I do the same thing on Yelp. Yeah, I want to see oh, because all the top reviews are the people who really like it generally, and then I go down what 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 made this review what made this place bad to this person exactly. You know I mean? And if it's a pet peeve of mine too, then I totally. now I have yeah, something yeah. to warn me. So 
So Plus, yeah. when did your review go up? My two, review went up Monday. Monday, yeah. Yeah. Or Tuesday. Two days, or a day or two before the game was released. It was Tuesday, the day before it went. Yeah, no one else had played it so yet. So none it, of these nerds that are complaining <laughs> to you had played the game yet. And, it, it, and, it, and not only had they not played it, remember, Damon, this is the thing we did a video about a few months ago where no one had seen it. Remember, it got, yeah, it got rated before anybody had ever seen I Am Alive. So it was a, it's been a whirlwind week. It's been, it's, I don't know, it's one of those innocuous reviews where I just put that up and I was like, I forgot all about it. Yeah, back, back to my life, and then like, oh my god, wait a second! Like, this is going to be a huge thing. This is going to be another layer. Um, Eric Brudvik's talk was really interesting today. Totally. Yeah, yeah. it's one of those. I I, I uh, twittered him afterwards when we were talking a little bit while ago, and I was like, it's one of those that I wish. I think I think we I went you had a panel afterwards mm-hmm. you were there for Hillary and I went just to go to support him and stuff mm-hmm. and like midway through I was like damn we should have been filming this like yeah. this is one I really wish good. we had filmed so that we could just post on the site and then in, instead of right now what I do when I get a negative comment is a rev- on a review is I link to Anthony singing the commenter song from PAX mm-hmm. but I I'd link to Rudvig's uh, talk if I did it the other way it was good but yeah. interesting points he makes uh, reviews do affect sales. Yeah, um, and even bad reviews can positively affect sales. Yeah, because that a bad review will still increase awareness of the game, and that negative uh, opinion opinion will, will fade, fade over time. Yeah, but yeah. the awareness is still there in your mind. So you, a month, a year from now, you're going to be like, I am alive. I yeah. remember hearing, I remember about, hearing that. about that. I'm going to check that out. Yeah, I need something it, new to play. I mean, it's true. Uh, I was actually talking to one of the guys that's making the new Tribes game, and he's talking about Planet Side, which was another free to play game they put out. And they're talking about when to call your like so like free to play games in particular are always in development until uh-huh. until they stop being profitable and at which point they kind of you know don't make as much content maybe for them, but so the game that when the when you so most people review it once it's no longer called a beta you know it's like oh it's no longer a beta it's version 1.0 now we can review it that's like the general mo with reviewing. but that review isn't necessarily true a year later oh yeah right you know mm-hmm. and, and and so for them they're like. So it's like, he was like, at what point do we stop calling our game beta? But it always kind of feels like a beta because it's always an evolving product. Yeah. You know, and he's like, we released Planetside knowing that it was going to change a bunch and we didn't call it beta. So everyone reviewed it and it did really bad. And since then, people have gone back that I've talked to that reviewed it, and it's like, oh, now it's like a totally different game. Yeah. But forever, he's like, forever, we will always have to live with that. Yeah. You know, this that is part Metacritic. of this is part of Brudvig's thing. Yeah. Of how do you do, how do you review Minecraft? It comes, you know, it's you did, but it was after they took the beta tag off it. And right. then he was like, how do you review Farmville, which changes so dramatically? Right. I mean, I was talking to League of Legends guys, and that game we reviewed in like 2007. And at that point, that review no longer services the yeah. person that would go and download League of Legends yeah. right now. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's something, I mean, to the listener, this is something we're struggling with. At, not struggling, but something we're wrestling oh, yeah. with at IGN. Well, we we're just like, we're talking about it. Yeah. The game, you know, the, the state of game is changing, going towards free-to-play. So the way we review games is going to have to change, too. So yeah. that's something we're always thinking about. I mean, yeah, it's like, it's like I was talking with the guys, again, about League of Legends, because I met with them today, and they were talking about how, um, you know, I was telling them internally, like, our, our Game of the Year stuff, for instance, is, did it come out in that year? To be game of the year, yeah. yeah but I was yeah, like, yeah. with free to play games, like League of Legends, probably was my p- favorite PC game of last year. Yeah. Even though, but it's because it had constantly new content that I was loving and playing, and it was still like the game I spent the most time with on my PC. Yeah. But it doesn't fit into the standard like game of the year categories because it's not from that year. Yeah. So, ongoing conversations. Times are changing, Damon. It's true.
NPD data for February came out yesterday. Yeah. Gregory, surprised to see no no Vita games in the top Not 10. Not at all. Goldfart ran over to tell me that like that was breaking news. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's incredibly surprising. Not only because it's a new system, not many people are picking it up to begin with. Well, people are picking it up. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bet a lot of people are trying to download games. Like That's the big... That's, that's, a, that's when, the when, other thing. When did it come out? It came out like the end of the month, Four right? days. It, it came out four days before the end of February. Yeah. 20th. Yeah. The official launch date was, what, the 22nd or something yeah. like that. Yeah. But there's so. 29 days, so whatever. Seven yeah. days. Yeah, yeah. Whatever that is. New hardware launch only a week. A lot of digital sales. Exactly. I've bought at least... Like eighty percent of my games digitally. Yeah, so and that's the problem. Sony won't release those numbers or share those like until they have like some kind of crazy like. This is the best selling Vita game on the PSN. <laughs> what does that mean? Modern Warfare Three remains the best selling game. Top dog. Wow. Well, I know. I mean, I, I guess there hasn't necessarily. So been November, any... December, January, February, four months on. Yeah, pretty good. In the top ten, only one new IP. Can you guess what that is? Hold on. In February. I looked through this list. Uh, so Cal- Soul- That's not a new IP. Oh, yeah, completely new IP. Completely new IP. Only uh, one thinking, new IP. I was thinking a game that came out in February or something. Like I wasn't sure oh, okay, if it was yeah. like all like older games or something. A completely new. A new game. I, I hate to use the term IP. That's a completely that's, new. A completely new game. That's uh, not a sequel or. A, I don't know. Bin- binary domain. Like small, a- small independent game developed by Ryan Geddes called Kingdoms of Amalur. <laughs> Yeah. Reckoning. Him and the Todd McFarlane. Good that for was them. the I'm team. Glad they made it into the yeah. top ten. Yeah. Number four. Number Game's four. great. Wow. First, great. first game from 38 Studios. Big hit. Great. Yeah. That's good. Let's check in with the listeners. Hey, listeners. Just a few emails here. Oh, just a few. Uh, this is Ben from the UK. Uh, oh. Talking about Mass Effect. He says, I'm a huge IGN fan. I visit the site every day, listen to a number of your podcasts. However, the presentation of the Mass Effect 3 review immediately struck me as peculiar. (laughs) Why does the Mass Effect 3 review have such high production values in comparison to all other reviews on IGN? The animated background, large video player, high-res art, unique layout uh, is a stark contrast to the Street Fighter Cross Tekken review, for example, which was posted one day earlier. Is this the way IGN reviews will be posted moving forward, or is this specific to Mass Effect 3? If it is the former, then great. If it's the latter, then why Mass Effect 3? Because, sir, times are changing. It's true. Uh, you know, it's, it's, we, uh, as people know, once in a while, IGN changes every so often. Mm. Or maybe it's the logo. Maybe it's uh, just the site in general. Uh, we're trying new things, and we're, we're beta testing different stuff. Like, there's a beta test right now for a new video player, which we yeah. desperately need. Yes. Uh, and, yeah, it was one of those things where we do are toying with the idea of changing how our reviews look and everything. And so if you're going to do something, and if you figure, let's say you, we said tomorrow, we're changing all our reviews to X. We would need to know the time commitment that requires for the reviewer, how the video process is going to work, what it means for designers and everything else. So rather than throw a switch and Jesus hold onto our asses, they did a beta with Mass Effect. They figured it's like, let's, let's make something that looks really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Let's try something really, really new for a really big game. Yeah. And, and, and I think that uh, the plan won't necessarily be for, the way I understand it is maybe not all reviews will be that way, but, yeah, but bigger big ones. ones. But bigger ones. That's, that's the thing. Why Mass Effect 3? Because probably... You know, ten times or more people are going to look at that Mass Effect three review than any other yeah. review in like the next month. If yeah. we did exactly. the Unit thirteen review that way, we would not get nearly the amount of feedback that we want. We exactly. want you to tell us if you like it, if you don't like it, or whatever. Because there's a lot of work that went into that, not just <sighs> yeah. from editorial, but from design. Yeah, like that a was a lot of stuff. So a lot of work and a lot of time went yeah. into that. I, I was happy with that. I thought it looked really cool. It was it was certainly the best layout we've ever had for a review. Mm. BTW Mass Effect three came out this week. 
It's true, and I haven't had time to play it. I, I, I haven't even bought it yet. I don't yeah. know when I will. I'll, this weekend, that's all. I'm, yeah. yeah, I want to play it. I got sure. a, I got a Damon show tonight. Yeah, I got a Jim Rally date tomorrow because I owe a mistake because PlayStation exclusives don't sell for shit. <laughs> and then uh, Mass Effect the rest of the time. Hmm. I forgot to mention this, listeners. You can always reach us at gamescoop at ign.com. That's our email address. Make sure you hit they us do up that. There. Well, I just tell There's you. There's smart kids out there. You can re- reach me them. at garbage at the dumpster. Jesus. Garbage at the dumpster.com. I don't even know what that means. I wanted to email that, yeah. Anthony has a new outfit for tonight. I do. I brought, a second, I brought a second outfit tonight for when we go out dancing. Yeah. It's a big night here at IGN, if you didn't yeah. know, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. There's a, a party? GDC party at mm-hmm. the IGN office. We're bringing in a whole bunch of developers mm-hmm. and people and beer. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Damon, yeah. Did we ever... Did, are there shuttles to your show? Or so, I, I don't know. I, Tina mentioned that, but I, I don't know. Okay. There might be shuttles to the show. And yeah. if not, there's going to be a drunken caravan of walking people. <laughs> walking Eight miles. Yeah, I was going to say, take a long time. Luck, good luck, yo. We'll see you when Damon shows over. This is Brett. Brett. I'm new to Steam. I want to buy Portal since I never played it and fell in love with Portal 2. If I buy it on one computer, can I play it on another? Is it like a regular program app where I can only use it on the computer I installed it on? The nice thing about Steam, mm-hmm. um, you know, sometimes people don't like it because you have to have a client open as opposed to a lot of other PC games. But the nice thing about Steam is that wherever you go, you can always log in on that computer and download and play all of your games as long as you're logged in. Yeah. And any number of computers. Steam's so, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yes. Can't wait for my Steam box. I, I, I would buy something like that. Like, yeah, you know, I, I'm not a, joking. A yeah. Valve console I can play on my computer? Yes. They haven't I said that it will never happen. They just said they have no plans for any sure. announcement of GDC or E3. But I would buy that. Well, we also found out this week that Gabe Newell is worth like $1.5 billion. That Valve is worth $3 billion, and I totally believe it. Gabe Newell is half of the value of that company. I believe it. When I was at their Jesus office. Jesus Christ. When I was at their office, they have a, a, a catered food every day wow. for their staff. So they're just rolling in money. Well, they make good products. They deserve to. Yes, they do. Uh, this is Philip. Philip. I'm Phil. Looks calm, Phil. No, Philip, we decided. He says, hey, Damon, what's up? I was just wondering, how is your game collection? I mean, if you want to play some Disgaea 2, do you have it or do you borrow it from IGN? How, how often do you guys buy games from your own money? Is there any time you guys reviewed a game for IGN and you loved it so much that you bought it? So we'll, we'll take it one question at a time. <laughs> I, I, have, I, I keep the games, all the games that I buy. Um, you know, I, I have this guy too. Sure, if I wanted to play that, I could. I could put that in. I don't ever sell games. Yeah. So to put that, um, but I don't buy every game that I review for IGN. Only the ones that I really, really like. Yeah. I do. Uh, there's plenty of games like Asura's Wrath. I'm playing right now, but I borrowed it from the IGN library because you know, I wasn't sure if that was something I needed to have in my collection. Yeah. Or I borrowed Uncharted for Vita because it was really. It's kind of a lot, and, and I knew it was going to be one of those things. It was like one shot, never going to touch it again. Yeah. So. So you guys are what's wrong with the game industry? Hmm. We sit here in our high horses and say don't trade in games. Hey, buy bought, games, support your developers. We just steal them out of a fucking closet here. <laughs> I, I buy a lot of games. You see that? Yeah. So yeah, to justify too. the angry email you're writing right now, listener, yeah. or to, I guess to try to nip it in the bud, is that... Don't, don't justify their angry email. Yeah, exactly. Email. I, stopped, I, stopped, I said to change, nip it in the bud. Is that, yeah, we try to play so much, and I think that's why. I mean, we try to be experts on yeah, games. Yeah, I want to be able to come and to have a conversation with you about any game you exactly. want to talk about. Exactly, yeah. And whether it be on Twitter exactly. here on the podcast or when Plenty, there are plenty of games that if I didn't have the option to play it like that, and I wasn't, I'm doing it to develop, like you said, a vocabulary about games. But I would never buy it because I'd be like, that's not something I'm interested in. Exactly. To pay for. Exactly. I, th- I feel the way we make it up is the fact that first off, we champion games and we get people. To, Colin always says that he sold 95 percent of the Shatter because he won't shut mm-hmm. up about Shatter on PSN. And that's he's, there's something to be said for that championing games mm-hmm. and new stuff. But then the games that I play and think are 
something that are super special and need to do, I mail and I buy and mail the friends usually. You know what I mean? I, I buy Poe games for his birthday and Christmas mm-hmm. and everything else, and I'll send him stuff that I know now is awesome. You know what I mean? The same thing then when I go and visit family and I want to give their kids something, I know what's good and what's age appropriate for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is Nathan. I've noticed that there hasn't been a lot of talk or hype about Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City. Because it's trash, Nathan. I myself can't wait for it. Uh, you're Do be y'all think that it will bomb or sell fairly well? It'll sell fairly well, I bet. Yeah. I think it's, it's got, the Resident, Evil it's got Resident Evil in the name. I've never heard anything but negative stuff about it. Yeah, I mean, Nathan, like, there's probably a reason why there's not a lot of talk or hype about that game. Yeah. I mean... So first of all, they announced that game a while back, and it's like, well, well, we like, we would love to have another Resident Evil, but this is like a weird shooter, like yeah. offshoot. And then they announced Resident Evil Six just before the release of Raccoon City, so it's like Operation Raccoon City. So it's like, well, okay, that totally takes the wind out of Operation Raccoon City sales. Yep. Yeah. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, usually if we don't have a review up. <laughs> or we don't have news up. It's because someone's trying to hide something from you. Is that not, not is all that the time. Out? No, but it's out soon. Not all the time, of course. This was part of Brunvik's speech, too, though. Mm-hmm. That, you know, PR people usually hold off their games and don't send them to press because they don't want the review to go... Or if they do that, they don't want it to go up on, you know, release. They want it up after release so you get tricked into buying it. Mm-hmm. I, that just happened to me with a game today. Brunvik was... I'm not going to say. Because okay. uh, I'm embargoed on... Well, it's, I'm not even going to end up reviewing it. Okay. But uh, Brunvik, you know, put out the thing that, you know... He's like, the one thing you shouldn't do is mail, give them games on a Friday that are coming out on a Tuesday, because then they, you have to sacrifice their weekend, and they do all this stuff, and they get grumpy, and yada yada. And the, I got back from Brudvig's speech, and I got a game that I know for a fact I do not enjoy, that I think is going to be bad. And yep, here's your game on a Friday. It's embargoed at 9 a.m. Tuesday. It's like, fuck you guys. Exactly, and, and it's like it's like, a, it's like Brudvig said. Reviews are biased, and while all of us, I think, try and have that color our experience as, as little as possible, yeah. who knows what goes on subconsciously, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've played this game before. I know it's no good. So I'm not, I'm not just saying I've looked at the, tri- the game I'm talking about right now. Raccoon City, I've only heard bad things about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is Alvin Lee. He says, Alvin, Simon, Theodore. I recently stumbled upon an old article written by Greg and Jeremy called Uh-oh. IGN Editors, Where Are They Now? Uh-oh. I wrote this? Apparently. Okay. <laughs> I was wondering if you guys are ever going to do an article about something like that again. I just think it would be really cool to see where ex-IGNers are. Well, we can talk about it at least. We'll give you a rundown. There, there's a there's an article like this on the pillar between me be co- between Colin and Clements' desk. We printed off the uh, buyers guide, the IGN buyers guide from 2009, I think. 2009 or seven, I can't remember anymore. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, and it had you know had all our little pictures and our little bios, and we printed all the pages out and put them on this pillar, and then we went through and crossed out faces and wrote where they went. So that's how that went. Yeah. Well, a couple we mentioned earlier, Eric Rodvig is at EDAR, yep. doing research on, on all sorts of video yeah. game, cool video games. Yeah, they're, they're, like, they're, they're like a hand between PR and editorial and statistics and stuff like that, trying to, you know... Like they do, like, consulting, yeah. So. Yeah, I, they had a really good tagline, crap, on their thing, their slide today. It's like, mm. EDAR, like... Mm. Fuck, I don't know. It was, something. It was good. <laughs> yeah. It was good, Rodvig. And uh, Ryan Geddes is at 38 Studios. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Dunham and Chris Roper are at Zipper Interactive. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy, are they both developers now? No, they Jeremy. started on Community stuff. Exactly. Roper's still Community, and then okay. Jeremy has made the flip. He actually wrote Unit 13. Oh, okay. Recent video. You can hear all about it on next week's podcast, Mio. Cool. He's coming in. And uh, who else? Jim Riley's at Game Informer doing news for Game Informer. Hillary uh, went to Wikia. He's doing heading the charge for Wikia's gaming stuff. Uh-huh. Arthur Geese is at Vox Games. Yep. Was at Joystick recently went to Vox Games. Uh, who else? What does Will Tuttle do now? He's everywhere. He's done he just got things. a new Will job. Will Tuttle is now working in a job doing con- like a specialty publishing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Say. Andy Eddy is at, at Gamer. Yeah, the that's Best, Best Buy Buy's Mags. gaming magazine. Yeah. Craig Harris at Sega uh-huh. uh, doing marketing stuff, I guess. Sure. Maybe. 
Dan Adams doing PR stuff, marketing stuff. For, for, for Unity. Unity, which is a game development platform. And they had a huge booth at GDC. Mm. Was he there, like, breakdancing? Yeah. No. Yeah. No. He's, the, he's Unity's breakdancer. <laughs> Steve Butts, also former PC guy. Yeah, he's is, a, the escapist. Uh, the escapist magazine. Um, who else? I'm trying to think back. People. Jimmy don't. Thang is. Uh, Jimmy Thang. Well, I don't know. What, um, what was the guy's name who was running PC? Uh, Jason Ocampo. Yes. I tweeted the other day. Where or I guess months ago now. Where, where in the world is Jason Ocampo? <laughs> and Pear responded back with like he's been. I don't even know. Like some city. I was like, oh okay. Hmm. So I don't know where Jason Ocampo is. I miss him every day though. Nate Ahern is uh, working for a in uh, an, like in app advertising company. To, it's Tap something. It's not Tap Joy. It's like Tap. I'd tap that. Sure. No, it's not that, actually. <laughs> that sounds like something Nate would work for if I found. Christine Steimer is now at Bioware. Yeah. She made Mass Effect 3. She made Mass Effect 3. Mm-hmm. By herself. By herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crap, what, who, who, who else oh, no, we're forgetting game? somebody, I bet. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Oh, David Clayman is at uh, Bethesda. Bethesda. Yeah. There we go. All right. That's a rundown of some. Sorry, I'm sorry we've lost. You. I'm sorry we've lost. That's There's a bunch your of article. People. You happy? That's a bunch of people. Shut up your face. <laughs> Uh, okay, that's all the scoops we have for you this week. It's a fun GDC week. Uh, next week, we'll get back to normal, return you to your regularly yeah. scheduled IGN. Uh, everybody, enjoy their weekend. I leave you this week with a song I've been playing at my sets recently. This is the Knife Party remix of Unison by Porter Robinson. Please to enjoy. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Anthony. My name is Damon. This is IGN Game Scoop, and we're out.
Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.